Hello, I'm Alistair. And I'm Andrew. Welcome back to Scene From Above, an informal podcast about the cool things happening in Earth Observation. This is Season 8, Episode 2. Check out seenfromabove.org for the podcast archive and show notes. Follow the show on Twitter via at EOSceneFrom and using the hashtag SceneFromAbove. In this episode, we discuss the plethora of platforms for processing. Many of you who follow us on Twitter, and hopefully most of you who follow us on various different clients, will know that the podcast has been moving provider platform. So we've gone from self-hosted to a hosted offering from Podbean. And it's been an interesting learning experience. I've posted uh, a blog about it uh, on Twitter. But basically, it wasn't as smooth as it could have been due to a few things that we didn't know about when we first set up the um, self-hosting site on AWS. However, all of the podcast's archive has been moved into Podbean. Most of the various different links have been updated through to Apple Podcasts and Blueberry and Podbean itself. And in the next week, week and a half, something like that, we'll be moving the seenfromabove.org website to point towards the uh, Podbean website as well. So hopefully that will go smoothly. And then we'll be turning off for AWS. So... If you're listening to this, then everything's fine. That's great. Um, otherwise, we will be doing as much uh, social media posting as we can without getting too annoying about making sure that various things are updated. Okay, cool. Let's do the news then. 2nd of September 2020. It's been about two months, I think, since we last did a full podcast. A lot of things have happened, unsurprisingly, in the world of Earth observation. Um, there's been a, a fair few more satellites being launched. Uh, the uh, Galfan series of low Earth orbit optical satellites have gone up. Yeah. Um, check out Pixelytics. They do a really good blog on um, Earth observation is taking no summer holiday. We'll put it in the show notes. I think there's more dubs going up. Um, there's all sorts of sort of minor updates and things that are going on. I should, I should mention awesome Earth observation code. We're over 450 things. Oh, get in. Awesome. Uh, lots of Earth Engine things coming out. I'm going to hold back on talking about that until October time when there's the Geophil Good conference coming up. Okay. I yeah. think there's still time to register for that. But I wanted to talk about two things, really. First thing really to mention is this big push that Chris Holmes is doing with regard to welcoming in new collaborators to cloud-native geospatial ecosystem. So this is all part of rolling out Stack now, which is in 1.00, I think it is. And just trying to include as many people as possible. Anyway, you can you can register, and you know he's got a whole post about enabling people who haven't previously been involved in this. So you know we come from a pretty enclosed community in the sense that it's just developers, and they're a very sort of certain type, a certain age, a certain uh, ethnic group, and they're, they're, they're they're making as much effort as they can to try and open the doors to as many different people. This is all going to be done completely virtual this time. So they're splitting funding down to some really interesting categories. So, you know, they've got two $5,000 awards for the most promising contributions to bring those contributions further on. There's newcomer grants, community recognition awards. You know, people are communicating the best about about this. They're really opening up 
and um, anybody can sign up to it. It sort of almost talks to a wider issue as well about events and the fact that actually by having virtual conferences, it really opens up the participation so much. Yeah. The thing to do once you have all these people registered and attending, though, is then to engage them and, and get people to not only get inspired by what's being talked about or, or discussed in the event, but then to, to interact with the project itself. And it seems like there's some really good ideas here in terms of getting people to contribute and interact. Um, so I, I've just got a, a very brief news update now, and it's about Sentinel-6. And I saw today uh, in a tweet, and I'll put a link in the show notes, that November 10th has been penciled in as a target launch date for Sentinel-6. So you hopefully will have heard our snapshot with Haley about Sentinel-6, explaining what it is and why it's important and everything else. But it's, at the moment going to be or is targeted to be aboard a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket to be launched from California. So keep an eye on that and we wish it well. Looking forward to seeing the data from yet another Sentinel. Yeah, I wanted to also talk about uh, Sentinel Hub. What I wanted to mention was in the middle of August, uh, a blog they put out on data fusion. So combining satellite data sets to unlock new possibilities. And I've been waiting to hear a bit more about data fusion. And maybe it was a bit of a buzzword about five, six, seven, even maybe a decade ago, yeah. where people were talking about fusing data sets and, and, and doing this kind of interesting stuff. Yeah, I remember the data fusion competitions were a big thing, weren't they? Yeah. And, you know, we, we talk about, uh, you know, there's, there's data amalgamation and, you know, there's just using the bits of data that are related to, to what you're doing. So if you're vessel tracking, combine it with AIS, you know. But yeah, data fusion is interesting because basically it's got things like using Sentinel-1 and Sentinel-2 to negate the negative impacts of cloud on Sentinel-2, um, helping build things like vegetation index. But yeah, pan sharpening as well, that's sort of interesting. But they've also got things like bring your own data. So yeah, this, this, this data fusion post I found pretty interesting. It's another attempt to bring more data. Yeah, go and check it out. And you know, there's, there's all sorts of guides on how to use the EO browser or the Sentinel Hub API, if, if that's your thing as well. Yeah, and in a, a totally non-scientific way, but maybe a, more of a human way, there's some absolutely beautiful images on this and it really i think that's another thing that sentinel hub do really well is communicating out to people who might not necessarily be data scientists or earth observation scientists but can really demonstrate the power of really good imagery so the last bit of news that i want to highlight is something that i saw in space daily and it's something that I've also heard quite a lot about. This article that I spotted in um, Space Daily is really just building on stuff that I've already heard, which is that the segment, the Earth observation segment globally, is predicted to, to actually grow based around the needs of monitoring and measuring climate change and environmental protection and um, increased need from disaster monitoring applications and things like that and it's quite interesting because it's not just the open data that is set to to push this growth although it does seem to be that the open data is sort of it's the fuel it's the the impetus to get people understanding what can be done with earth observation data and then once they've realized that maybe the open data only gets them so far, then using open data alongside some of the uh, commercially available proprietary data as well is 
the thing that's really pushing this. So this is it's quite an interesting, quite short analysis. It doesn't go into any detail, but it, it does tally up with quite a few things that we've mentioned before in terms of the Price Waterhouse Coopers report that oh, we talked yeah. about in a previous yeah. podcast episode. But yeah, it, uh, check it out. I mean, the usual things here, the market is driven by imagery analysis and the development of artificial intelligence, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, there's nothing crazy in terms of the findings of this, but it's worth knowing that currently the earth observation market or the, the earth observation sector is one that seems to be under a period of relatively s- stable growth. And I think that stability and the fact that it's a, a growing market is something that we should all be aware of, all be a little bit thankful for, but also make sure that we're not leaving any of our colleagues behind and that we're all working together to make sure that we're using satellite imagery for the best applications that we can. Yeah, it's got a, um, a phrase, satellite as a service. Yeah. Sat AAS. That's a new one on me? Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure how you say that either. <laughs> Satas. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't say that. <laughs> okay, so I think that would do us for the news. Okay, on to our topic for this episode. So I wanted to have a quick discussion about the number of platforms that are out there for data dissemination and image processing, data processing. By talking about platforms, I'm thinking that that's some sort of infrastructure, so some sort of compute and data storage. It holds the data and allows scripts to be run or data to be processed in some way. So if it's not scripts, then there's a graphical interface, that sort of thing. But the main thing is that you have to have an account on that platform in order to use it and this is maybe you're going to agree with me in this but it's a case of yet another account so um, I just want to quickly go through a few that I came up with whilst I was just trying to think of putting this together and then maybe we can have a discussion about whether we need all these platforms whether they all have a, a specific niche or not yeah well you know you know you say yet another account but it's also a question of I don't know what this is going to do unless I sign up for it. Oh, yes. Yeah. That is super annoying is the fact that you have to sign up just to find out what it is. So I don't think there's any, or maybe you're going to correct me, but I don't think there's any that I'm aware of that you don't have to sign up, that you can just get going without signing up for. So you have to rely upon some sort of marketing pitch. Yeah. And it, it it just makes me super uneasy giving all my details to yet another platform. And especially if all you want to do is just check it out and see whether it's something that you might use. Because obviously, as independents and freelancers, we don't have vast budgets. So nine times out of 10, you and I will be signing up to things in order to find out what they are so that we can then maybe recommend them to potential clients and see whether our clients would want to use them. Mm. But yeah, I hear about data breaches all the time. I just get really fed up of having to put my information into all these different places. Um, So the obvious ones that I could think of were Google Earth Engine, the Planet Platform, Sentinel Hub, and Am I right in thinking that GBDX still works now that it's bought up by Maxar? I did a quick check and it it still seems to be live. Uh, I think as far as I'm aware, yes. Okay, cool. And then I just came up with a few and I'm, I'm going to list them and I'll put some links in the show notes. But this isn't necessarily to go through them in detail. It's just to give you a, an idea of how many they are. So there's something called Seppel. There's another one called Bioda. 
There's the Appiers NASA platform. CIOS have got one called CIOS Cove. Open Forests, I think, is another platform. The Adam platform is a European one. Pictera in Switzerland also has a platform that allows you to do processing and stuff on it. EOS, which I think is Austrian, that has a platform that allows you to do processing on. And there's also Spectrum, which is hosted by EarthEye in the UK. And it's just a case of, do we need all these platforms or can we do without them? Are we ha quite happy to just have the, the data, get the data ourselves from, from a, an open repository or from a commercial provider and do the processing ourselves? Or are these platforms necessary given the volumes of data that people are expected to process these days? How are these uh, ones that you've listed different or the same as the DSs that we visited 18 months ago? A good question. Um, and I'm not entirely sure. I mean, some of them are a little bit AI focused and some of them might be a little bit more focused on specific applications. But other than that, it's basically some compute, some data and an account. And I don't really... I'm torn, to be honest. The The idea of having loads and loads of things does frustrate me. I'm not a massive fan of choice just for the sake of choice. I'd much rather people got together and came and collaborated and made something that was really good. But at the same time, I can also see that a lot of these are either commercial companies trying to do something or specific data providers. And therefore, I'm guessing they will have tweaked the compute behind the scenes in order to optimize for the thing that they're trying to do. Mm. The thing that makes me more annoyed is when you start getting, maybe not annoyed, maybe that's the wrong thing, but is when you start getting projects that are funded as sort of research projects to see whether or not people would use a platform and multiple platforms are being funded and you think, hang on, there's just money going after money there. I don't know. I'm sort of torn <laughs> and I'm just ranting a little bit. No, no, it's, no I, I understand. I mean, I've, I feel a little overwhelmed. I don't understand how all of these can survive, is, is my first thought, but may, maybe I'm wrong. I think that sounds quite negative. The second thing is, how do I pick between that list that, that you gave me? No, I'm not including Earth Engine and GDBX and Planet and the Sentinel Hub in, in that, but these other maybe more niche ones. Yeah. I, I, again, that's no criticism of them. There's a lot, isn't there? And if they're for my niche application, then somehow I've got to hear about them. So it goes back to that very first question with the DS, which is, who is it for? And because there's too much choice, am I being overwhelmed with the choice? And then just saying, I haven't got time for all of this. Quite a lot of them have said, no credit card needed to start. Start your free trial now, which, you know, but you know, it's like you've got four pricing modules and you're trying to work out what do I need. I remain confused. And platform as a service, to me, it feels poorly defined. Because if you're a company and you've decided that the only future step is to produce yet another platform, then where is the differential going to come? It's different to if you're accessing data service, a pipeline, as it were. But if you're actually paying to count the number of cars in the car park, for example, then they have to be completely correct. It can't just be, we think it's between 10 and 15. It has to be 12. Well, I was just going to say that if you then allow individual users to upload various code and tweak various different things, then you, 
you run the risk of not remaining in control of of the output of that and so it sort of gets to a point where if you're creating a platform how how responsible are you for what comes out of the platform this is why it's poorly defined in my in, in my view because you've got Scenario one, which is you're saying you're going to bring your data or you're going to bring your processing to it. So therefore, you it's assumed that you have some skill in satellite data or coding or accessing an API or GIS or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That That's sort of scenario one. Scenario two is you're just someone who wants to get the number of cars in a car park or you just want to know how healthy the vegetation is in your field or you're, you just want to know you know how wet the ground is or where was flooded previously and they're, they're different things aren't they because it, one's selling you a service that you plug into and utilize and the other is selling you a service that you you, you know you don't have any other interaction with it other than getting back your your information as it were like google maps you know yeah. you're, you're 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 saying right i want to go from here to here and it tells you how to get there you, you you're not saying right i need to get at the google maps api <laughs> yeah well, i'm sure you can but you, you, you know you're not trying to say right i've got my own road network so let's throw it into <laughs> into this yeah i know these analogies are a bit sort of weak but i think another point to be made here is something you've mentioned before on the podcast which is that rather than having multiple copies of images on your desktop, we now have multiple copies of entire data sets floating around various different servers and platforms mm. out in the cloud. And that's another thing linked to this is how do I know which data set is the one I should be using? If there's copies of data, are they all exactly the same? Have they been manipulated in different ways? Just creating more and more ways of getting at data in inverted commas isn't helpful to me. I want to know that the data I'm getting is the right data, which from my perspective, I would just go back to the original, you know, to the ultimate source and take the data from there, which then negates the fact that we have these platforms that are supposed to make things easier. But then that raises another point, which is, are they easier to use or for whom are they designed to be easier to use? Because I can code reasonably but i wouldn't say i'm a developer and i could hack something out i'm sure but at the same time i was trained in the point and click method as were many people and there needs to be a way of i think parity between those who are trying to process using graphical interfaces and those who are creating these quite complex codes sometimes that are being used to process large data in the background maybe i'm living in a dream world i don't know no no i mean i i think the the elephant in the room is the question who is it for yeah and we ask this question all the time and if it's for your point and click professional or even your coding professional that is a limited market so in a, in, a, in, a, in a user perspective, if you're working in a company, then you're going to follow ever whatever that company is, you know, their standard is, whether it's proprietary, whether it's open, whether it's some cloud provider, whether it's... So that slice of the pie is very difficult to, to bite into, I would think. Then there's the sort of the smaller slice, which is the, the curious about the data and, and wanting to combine it with their data and all this kind of stuff. But again, it's a technical user. 
And then there's the, the final end, which I think is the, the end that everyone sort of raves about. And I really would like to see in the two years, three years, more people not just quoting almost figures out of out plucked out of the air about the growth in the market and and the, the revenue and the, the, the capital expenditure and all this kind of stuff. More more concrete terms, because if it's going to be agriculture, I, I don't see a farmer accessing these systems. And I think ultimately it comes down to what what parts of the public sector is prepared to work with these services. Because I think the, the market for the for the private side is a lot tighter. All of these need to have a purpose. And I'm sure if we would sit down for more time than we have, we could probably work out the purpose of most of them. And as you've pointed out, we're not having a go at any individual platform. It's just whether or not that purpose is something that is ultimately leading to what we talked about in the news, the growth of the sector and things like that. And your point about the fact that farmers aren't going to use them or or any user group isn't necessarily going to sit down in an office and, and be doing this. They're going to want information, not platforms on which to then try and find out information. They just want the thing to come directly to them. I worry that we're run, we're racing ahead into a real period of stagnant growth or no no growth at all. Okay. I just don't get the sense of what the market penetration is. If they've got a problem that could be potentially addressed with satellite data, then they're just going to go and look on Google Earth. Yeah, exactly. I don't get a sense for how well these things are being used. Is it going to be the really niche case specific platforms? Are they going to be the winners and these more generic ones? Because we've got things like Earth Engine being used so overwhelmingly in the academic and nonprofit world, because it's so well supported, because there's such a massive code base, because there's a huge user community, because there's you know the resources of Google behind it, that the other platforms are scrabbling for crumbs. So there's a couple of interesting points that you made there. There's that one right at the end, which is basically how do you choose the right platform and and once you've done that, how easy is it to move between different platforms and move your code between different platforms, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I have no uh, experience of that. I don't know. Yeah. But the other one is what you were saying about how there are platforms for different applications, whether it's forestry or mining. And forestry is a really good example here. Because do we really need five or 10 or 15 different platforms all to measure deforestation and my argument would be no and i'd be open to a discussion with people on twitter or in person or wherever about whether or not there there is a need for all of these different platforms and different portals and things that are providing this and i guess in some respects it comes down to just the free market in that different companies organizations create a method of doing something and then they try and sell that out to whoever their clients are but I, I have a real issue with the number of platforms that are all trying to do the same thing. I think that competition is all right, but really collaboration is much better in my view. I think we should also turn this over to the listeners. It's, it's not the first time we've talked about DSs and platforms and, you know, goodness knows I talk about Earth Engine enough. <laughs> are we right? Are we, are we wrong? What are we missing? Um, yeah. Keep asking this question. I'd absolutely happily put my hands up and say, you know, I really, really appreciate that feedback and, you know, that being enlightened.
encourage you to drop us a line through Twitter using at EOSeenFrom, where you can find a vibrant community based around the podcast. Thanks for listening, and that's it for now. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Alistair. Bye. <laughs> it's all very well for chat, but you, you know. <laughs>